place. Come on now. Yeah. Come on. Amen. We're going to turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. Yes, it's one of those uh, tonight. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 6. Uh, I love the excitement of the mention of Proverbs, but hopefully we're still excited when we come to what we're talking about. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, uh, what I love about the gospel or the word of God um, is that it deals with everything. Um, I'm going to preach a sermon soon on uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 where it talks about all scripture, not some of it, all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for correction, uh, it's profitable for reproof, uh, for instructions to righteousness uh, that the uh, man of God or the woman of God will be complete, um, lacking nothing, uh, for equipped for every good work. So this is one of those sermons that the Bible says all scripture. So this is the same thing. We're going to take this from Proverbs chapter 6. Just mark it there. We're going to read a couple of verses um, there in Proverbs. But as I started to think about this uh, sermon, I was reminded of a president of, that, of the United States that I actually really liked. Now, I'm not American. I've never lived there. never even been there. Uh, but there was something about this president that I liked um, I was a young guy when he was in office, and, and there was something about him I just liked. I think when I saw him play saxophone, I thought, this guy's got some, some pizzazz about him. He's got something about him. Now, if you guys know who played the saxophone out of the president, he was the 42nd president of the United States, and, and his name, all right, yeah, was Bill Clinton. I, I don't know why. I don't know what it was that, that had the link. I, I, I wasn't really into politics or anything like that, but I kind of held him in high esteem, and so did a lot of the electorate as well. He was, a, he was a, an easygoing guy speaking, you know, very well-spoken, well-dressed, um, and just really, really good. Um, but something happened to Bill Clinton into that he was then reduced to a shell of a man. He was reduced. He was brought down low. And when I saw the whole thing kind of play out, uh, I was thinking, man, he is not the same person he used to be. And it all happened when it came out that he was having a, a, an affair. I mean, they use the word affair because the word affair doesn't sound so offensive. He was committing adultery. Come on, let's, let's, t- let's tell it like it is. You say affair, it's like it sounds like something nice and sweet, doesn't it? It sounds like something, oh, it's affair, oh, you know. No, no, it was an adultery. That's what he was doing. He committed adultery, and what made it even worse was that he would come out in public, and he would say on, and there's a famous phrase, he says, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He said it on there. So you can go and find out. He said it. It's, it's, it's plain to see it. But then the evidence was overwhelming to the point where I actually had to admit, yeah, actually, all right, maybe I did. So when I saw that all play out, I saw that he was reduced from up here to just to where he is now. And it's just like he's a poor old man, bless him. He has this kind of past. Everything good he's done has now been overshadowed by this. So he was reduced. And I want to talk about uh, that kind of situation in a sermon I've entitled The Reduction. Because I see many people walking this earth who have been reduced Because of the things they have been seduced by. They're now living a life, uh, 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 a shadow of what they could have been. 
They're now doing things or, or, or they're in places where really they shouldn't have been. They should have been somewhere else. But because of what they've been involved in, they've now been reduced. And I want to talk about this because society has a different view of this kind of activity. And of course, Proverbs, we know, is filled with wisdom. And we're going to read some of that wisdom right now as we go into verse number 20. Now, don't tune me out. Now, ladies, don't tune me out. Because when I start to read... It may look like I'm just talking to men, but I want to stop you right there and say, absolutely not. This is something that is mankind, and that involves you two sisters as well. Amen. Verse number 20, Bible says, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and a law, a light. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life. And to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced. There's the word there. A man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will pray. And this ain't the kind of prayer that we do in the morning. Can you say amen in this place? No, no, no. An adulteress will pray, P-R-E-Y, like a lion, hungry. Will pray, um, I forgot what I pray upon his precious life. Look at verse number 27. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Um, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. I want to speak to you about the reduction. Now, like I said, this looks like it's male-centric, and I'm going to be talking to men. We're going to be looking at this uh, portion of Scripture and uh, get some wisdom uh, around what happens around this subject uh, uh, called lust. You see, because this is a, uh, a, a, a tool of the enemy which will promise so much but deliver destruction. It will promise you uh, pleasure and, and, and all sorts of things, but in actual fact, what is actually delivered is pain and destruction. So firstly, I want to look about or talk about the law of lust. Now, there's a few significant areas mentioned in our scripture, and I want to point them out there. They're labeled as body parts here, but I want to point them out to you. Verse number 25, Bible says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart. We have to first understand where this originates from, where these kind of thoughts come from, where the issue lies. It is a heart issue. Because many people try and take sin and take it away from the body, but no, it is an internal heart issue. The Bible says in James that we are drawn away by our own desires. It's the lust that we have inside our own heart. It is a heart issue when we go and say, I can't, you look at something, say, I can't help it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It is in your heart that you start to think about all things that can take you away and push you away from the the will of God. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's a heart issue. So when Bill Clinton was there 
And he was going through as he was uh, being led astray like a lamb that's going to be slaughtered. Uh, what was wrong uh, was the thoughts that was coming and it was designed or, or built up in his heart. It's a heart issue. The second body part I want to look at is found in verse number 24. The Bible says uh, 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 that the word of God or the law uh, will keep you from an evil woman from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Uh, it is the tongue, the flattering tongue of a seductress. Uh, now the word of God, we understand what the Bible says about words. We understand what the Bible says about the tongue. The Bible says that life and death uh, is in the power of the tongue. So with the words that will come out of our mouth, we're able to build somebody up or tear somebody down. We're able to lure them away. We're able to speak words and take them to a place that they didn't intend to go. We're able to use the, the, the thoughts and desires in our hearts then to let it manifest and come out of our mouth and speak words that will take people off course. And what I find interesting here in verse number 25 is the third body part where it says, don't let her that don't let her allure with your with her eyelids. Now I find it funny that it is the eyelids because we understand the eyes to be the windows of one's soul, right? We understand that. And we understand that a look can be deceiving sometimes, a look can be alluring sometimes, a look can say a thousand words. Come on now. All you have to do is look in a certain way, and somehow you're able to communicate something without even saying any words. Come on, don't act like it's just me that used to have those kind of looks. And see, listen, listen, I understand. It's a look can change your whole situation. I remember a time I was at work. Um, and I was, uh, uh, observe, I was at lunchtime and I was observing um, somebody, uh, a married man and a married woman sitting together. They weren't married together. They were married to other people. Right? They were sitting together having lunch. Uh, um, and they wasn't saying anything. But the way they was looking at each other was just odd. So odd, I had to take my lunch up and leave. <laughs> they didn't say a word, but the way they was looking, I was like, what? Nah, oh, you know what, let me take my rice and chicken, let me go eat somewhere else. Because that look, the look, you know, something with your eyes, the way you're able to communicate with your eyes. So when he says, don't let her lure you with the eyelids, what he's saying is that there is a potential to try and, without even speaking words, a potential to try and uh, move people off course uh, with a, a, a look that will kind of communicate some sort of ulterior motive. There is a law behind the lustful thoughts that people have. And if you continue to linger, then those things will start to grow some legs. You know, I'm not naive in this place uh, because the Bible says, uh, uh, don't lust after her beauty. So there is a subjective amount there. We have to understand, you know, because I heard a brother one time talk about saying, listen, I don't see nobody. I don't see nothing. Listen, that's not, that's not necessarily true, right? You see it. It's what you do. So there's two types of looks you can have. You can have a look just because you're looking where you're going. You see someone, you're just carrying and walking. Yeah? Or you have a second look. It's that second look that does the damage. And you guys know what I'm talking about when you talk about that second look. I read about a story, an article, where a preacher was talking about he was shopping with his wife. Now, this was before he was a preacher, before he was a Christian. He was shopping with his wife, and he was standing there with his wife. His wife was looking at a product, and he was just looking around, waiting for her to go. And then he says he noticed a woman come with a figure-hugging dress, walk to the counter, and walk back. He says his eyes followed her. 
Now he tried not to move his head so his wife didn't see, but his eyes kind of just kind of followed her. And he said, without looking up, his wife said, was it worth the amount of trouble you're in now? Because <laughs> there's a lot in the look. Can you say amen in this place? Look, come on. Some looks aren't innocent. Come on now. Some looks are just, and in your head, if, if they could project what's going on in your head, listen, it would have to put it like an R-rated movie. We wouldn't be able to show it. have to avert kids' eyes. Come on now, because some looks aren't innocent. And that's why we have to understand uh, the body parts mentioned here. We have the heart where it starts to begin, the thoughts start to manifest. We have the tongue where words are spoken. And we have the eyelids where looks and intents are starting to change things. And this is a law. This is something that drags people away, something that pulls people away. And we have to understand that in order to uh, uh, defense or bring a defense around the law, we need to set up some boundaries. Come on. Come on, boundaries have saved my life time and time again. Boundaries is what keeps me married for 15 years almost. Come on now. Boundaries is what causes me to stay focused on things that will edify me as opposed to things that will tear me down. Come on now. And the thing is, boundaries may seem weird. We may think, listen, it's not, you know, you're just overreacting. I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I remember I was at work one time, and uh, my manager at the time was talking, was talking about certain things, and he's saying uh, uh, he, was, he, he himself was married, and he said, oh, you know, look at that young lady, isn't she this and that? And I said, sorry, bro, I'm married. And he said, listen, man, you, you know, I know you're married, but it's okay to window shop. Can you say, yeah? And I was like, no, 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 because if you window shop, you might go tempted to go and buy the item. And he says, yeah, but you can buy it and then return it back. And he started messing me up with him when he started. I, said, I was like, listen, I'm married, okay? And just cut the conversation there. Because people don't really see an issue with an quote-unquote innocent look. But how many know innocent looks have led to some not-so-innocent actions? We have to set up boundaries with the things we let into our eyes, the people we let around us. We have to set up boundaries. And, and sometimes the boundaries may be excessive, but I will tell you the boundaries will save your life. And the reason that boundaries are set up is because there is a lie in society. Yeah? Because I want to read a, a verse number 27 of our text. Yeah? And I love the, the imagery uh, uh, that's given, the wisdom that King Solomon gives here. It says in verse number 27, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? In other words, people like to get as close to the boundary as possible and see how far I can make it before I actually just fall off. And he's likening lust or lustful thoughts or, 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 or things of that nature to fire. And how no fire is good when it's controlled. Fire heats our homes. Fire cooks our food. Fire drives our cars. If you're driving a petrol or diesel car nowadays, fire is good when it's controlled. But when it's out of control, it causes devastation. And what King Solomon is saying is, can you bring fire into your bosom and not be burnt? Can you watch that and not have your mind go south? Come on, can you listen to that and think and think nothing of it? Can you have those conversations at work and throwing those innuendos and not start to feel something? Come on, let's be real now. Come on, can you do that? Can you function as the society functions? Can you, oh, it's just a dance. It's just this, it's just that. 
You know, one of the things uh, I made a decision quite early on uh, is that I don't really hug females. I don't really hug females. Uh, I tend not to. Uh, um, if you see me hugging my mom, hey, that's my mom. Come on now. You see me hugging my wife, then praise God, amen. Uh, but there's, there's a reason for that. I mean, you could tell me hugs are innocent. You could tell me that. Um, but for me, I see that that is fire in my bosom. Because the reason why I say that is because you wouldn't just go around and hug a random person on the street. Because there's a level of intimacy with hugs. Come on, I'm, I'm speaking something now. There's a level of intimacy with hugs. I'm not saying it's, it's all the way. I'm just saying there's a level. And I prove that by, if I tell you to go outside and hug the first person you see, it'll be a bit weird, be a bit odd. Because there's a level of intimacy. So I don't do that. And I remember um, uh, somebody that came up uh, to greet me. Um, I think it was in this church, actually. It was, no, it was outside this church. Uh, they greet me. Um, they, and they kind of greet me like, hey, how are you doing? Kind of thing. I've got, an I've got a decision to make, right? I've got to see, now I'm not rude, I'm not kind of like, I'm not going to like dive out the way and like, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe sometimes I might do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not weird, right? <laughs> but I have to make a decision right now, right? And I, and I kind of like made it kind of, so no one was awkward. I kind of, I've got this move where I kind of step back, put my hand out and that's it. And everyone kind of gets it, understands it. But I'm doing that because I understand that fire is not to be messed around with. I understand that if I bring fire close to me, you know, I might, I might smell a perfume, I might like, uh, I might kind of like something. Hey, come on, I'm being real. Come on, it's a Wednesday night, I'm allowed to be real like this. Come on, because when it comes and now all of a sudden it's like, actually, yeah, um, hey, did you want to speak to me about something? Let's, let's go upstairs, let's speak, let's talk. Uh, and maybe we can do some Bible study. I always pick on this guy. Maybe we can do some Bible studies. Let me come to your house. Uh, we'll talk about Jesus. Uh, come on, man. And as, and as it goes, uh, fire is now burning up everything. You guys have to visit me in prison because, uh, you know, I was <laughs> custody over my children, uh, all this stuff. It's mad, mad, right? Come on. Bible says in verse number 28, can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? There's choices and decisions that we make that will either build us up and take us in the will of God or it will actually take us away from the will of God and we end up losing destiny. There is a lie in society that says you can bring fire to your bosom, you'll be fine. You can walk on hot coals and you'll be fine. That's a lie of the enemy. Can you say amen in this place? We need to understand that this is a thing for both men and women. Because when we start to involve ourselves in this, we are reduced. One of the scriptures I find so powerful is this very scripture where it says that for, me, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Now, I personally eat crusts, right? But there are a number of people that discard the crust. Worthless. In other words, the value was here, but now you're just a crust. And as I said, this is kind of geared towards men. And I, I spoke about how this works with men. But also, if we look uh, on the other side for women as well, uh, uh, we may see a woman who, who uh, avails herself. Uh, and then you see now she's just been reduced also to where the wealth or, or the, the worth, sorry, of that woman has now been reduced uh, to the point where people start making uh, slide comments and so on and, and this and that. There is a reduction. When we take it outside of the context of marriage, we are all reduced. 
Bible says reduced to a crust of bread because the sanctity of what God has designed for sexual intimacy is meant to be restricted and, and, and contained within marriage. Anything outside of that, there is a reduction. All of a sudden, dominion is lost. All of a sudden, authority is lost. Respect is out the window. Come on, there's times... There's times where people have derogatory conversations about the opposite sex and it's never in a respectful way. Once you've involved in a, a sexual intimacy outside of marriage, then it becomes like, ah, I've heard words like easy or loose or, or these type of things. Those kind of words don't build somebody up. They reduce. Those type of words are there, are designed there to kind of let everybody know, oh, this one's a crust of bread. This one's a crust. Of, we've reduced that one. We've humbled that one. If we get involved in that, this is both men and women, we are reduced to a crust, a crust of bread. So we've looked at the law. We've looked at the, sorry, we've looked at the law. Yep, your Lord into it. We've looked at the lie. So how do we then avert ourselves from this? How do we then stop doing this? Well, then you've got to look at the law. Verse number 20, the Bible says, My son... Keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they would speak with you. For the command is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life. Three things I want to pick out here in the law. Number one, it says that the law will lead you. The law will guide you. You are guided. The Bible says that the law is like, or your word is like a lamp onto my feet. In other words, I have a guidance. I know where to go because of the word of God. I told you before what Paul said to Timothy, that all scripture is profitable for doctrine. He also, one of the words he uses is reproof or rebuke. The law will guide you. It also says that when you sleep, they will keep you. That's like a guardian. The law will act like a guardian. It will keep you when you slumber. It will keep you to have peace because you have the law in your heart. The next one here, the law will speak to you and it will speak to you as a companion would speak. The only thing, we'll get these three things only if we actually take the law and we digest the law. Then we'll be led by the law. We'll be able to be kept and guarded by the law, be able to uh, be spoken to by God's law. It is the word of God that will keep us. It was the word of God that will protect us. It's the word of God that will give us the wisdom to make sure we're not reduced, but instead we are increased. Can you say amen in this place? The word of God will protect us. The word of God will guide us into destiny. So many times we have been lied to in this generation. And if you realize in this generation, they are trying to sexualize even younger now. They're trying to start to put things into our children's life. They're trying to, uh, you know, they make jokes at our school when we take our kids sometimes. Oh, is that your, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend? We're like, no. 
That's my son. We don't have no girlfriends yet. He's only four years old. Come on now. Don't start that. Because what they're doing may be cute and so on, but what they're trying to do is sexualize kids from a young age that now this thing will trap them. And now they're guided or misguided, shall I say, and doing things that are contrary to the law. We need to understand that we need to be guided by the law. It's funny because when you're not guided by the law, then you're guided by the world. And when you're guided by the world, things that should not be done are done in the sake of fashion, for example. Now, I find fashion quite interesting because I don't know if you've noticed that fashion is changing where nothing is left to the imagination anymore. You know, back in the day, you had to, if you had like a, a, an alluring look, you had to look and you had to kind of imagine like, what's going on. Now, you don't have to imagine anything because it's just right. It's like as if what they're trying to do is the more we can reveal, the better. And then we have to understand that when we reveal, you're then starting to lure people. And I find it interesting that people get attention. And then if the attention goes too far, it's like, no, 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 I don't want that. Well, well, maybe you should look at how you are holding yourself. What made that happen? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it is the woman's fault or it's the man's fault. I'm not saying that. But you have to have to understand, what, how am I presenting myself? How am I presenting myself that people would see me? How am I presenting my body? How am I presenting my character? How am I doing this? It pains me to see if I'm driving to work or driving, just seeing, I see young people dressing like they've got no respect for themselves. Like, did you look at a mirror when you walked out the door? I'm like, and I'm saying that because there is this society thing that that looks good. We've got it in our mindset. That looks good. This is, looks good. You have to look good if it's tight. It looks good. And that's just men as well. Men are wearing tighter clothes too. It looks good if you do this. It looks good if you do that. That is a guidance from the world. We need to be guided by the word of God. Can you say I'm in this place? There needs to be a guardian around our lives. Because as we do this, as we look at this, this is what's going to save our families. And if we have good families, we know that society will be able to be built up and we'll be able to do what God wants us to do. Lust is something that will take families. It will destroy marriages. It will destroy destinies. It will reduce people. And we have to be wise as a serpent. We have to be wise to understand the wiles of the enemy. Because this is a demonic tactic. If you realize everything, they say there's a phrase in society, it says sex sells. Um, if you can incorporate some sort of a sexual element, you're likely to get sales or you're likely to get um, uh, um, people sign up to stuff and so on. Uh, just as by way of homework, you'll see something has nothing to do with it, like toothpaste, for example. And you'll see that the person selling the toothpaste or brushing their teeth is like in a negligee or something like that. Didn't need to do that. Talk about toothpaste, whitens your teeth, that's it. I'll buy it, that's it. But we're in a society that it is overly sexualized because when we can do that, we can reduce people that should have a destiny to crust of bread. Come on. We can reduce people. And if the devil can successfully reduce people, then they're no longer effective or have an impact because how many know somebody that has been reduced no, more, no longer has impact? And we are to have impact in this world. We are to impact this generation. 
But if you have been reduced, the impact ceases. How many times have we heard scandals come out of men of God who had impact? They would preach, people would get saved, fill out auditoriums, and it comes out, something's happened untoward in some sort of affair scandal, the impact ceases. Because when you're reduced, what God has called you to do no longer has effect anymore. But there's hope today. Can you say amen in this place? I don't want to depress everybody. Come on now. I want, I want to give you some hope. There is hope because there is one who can restore if we've been reduced. There is one who is able to wash up and make something that was reduced into something that can be used. Come on, there's a story where we see a prostitute is brought to Jesus and she has been reduced. She's been caught in the very act. That's a reduction. Come on, any, any sense of uh, uh, identity she had has now just been washed away. She's been caught. She's been reduced. And they said, listen, we need to stone this woman. And Jesus, we know the story, said, listen, he who is out with, without sin cast the first stone. They left, the Bible says, and from the youngest to the oldest. And he looked at her saying, where are your accusers? She said, they're all gone. He said, well, I no longer condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He took the reduction and gave her worth again. He took the reduction and gave her an identity again. She was reduced, but because of the encounter she had with Jesus Christ, all the reduction was then restored and now she had dignity again. Can you say amen in this place? The dignity had been stripped away but Jesus in one encounter managed to give that dignity once again. So if you're here under the sound of my voice and you have been in a situation where you have been reduced, listen that's not the end of your story because Jesus Christ can restore your dignity if you repent and turn away from that lifestyle and go indeed and sin no more you can be restored to where God intended you to be in the first place. The reason why you can do that is because Jesus Christ came and reduced himself that he should take your reduction and that when on the third day he took his life back up that through him you can have life and dignity again. You don't have to stay reduced. You don't have to stay like a crust of bread. You can have dignity in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen in this place? If you've been reduced, you can be restored. And when you're restored, let the Word of God lead you like a guide. Let the Word of God keep you like a guardian. And let the Word of God speak to you like a companion. Church, we need to stay wise. We need to stay alert. Stay vigilant. Because the devil is seeking to reduce you. The devil is seeking to take your destiny. Do not be led astray. One other thing I want to say here. In verse number 25, it says, do not let lust or do not lust after her beauty. You know what the Bible says, do not, means you have the capability to do that. In other words, God will not tell you to do something that you cannot do. So the next time you're in a situation where you think, I can't do this. Yes, you can. I can't help myself. Yes, you can. Because he says, do not lust after her beauty. In other words, I give you a command. God will never give us a command that we cannot fulfill. 
God will never give us an instruction that will be too hard for us. So next time you may be feeling, whatever it is, maybe uh, it's, it's things you watch, people you see, people you speak, whatever it is, next time you feel that you can't do it, just get some knowledge, get some wisdom, get some encouragement from the Word of God that you can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. If Jesus Christ lives inside of you, you have the power to overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in all things, so you can do it. Don't let the devil speak things in your ear saying that you can't do this. You can't overcome. You can do it. Who believes me in this place that they can overcome in this place? Do not lust after her. We need to stand, be led, be kept, and be spoken to by the word of God so that we are not reduced, but we stand in the destiny that God has for us. I want to pray tonight. I've touched on a few things, and I want to pray on a few things also. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. The reduction.